All right, let's get into part two of habits. Are you guys ready for this? You ready to form some new habits in 2022? How about breaking some old habits in 2022? Yeah. So um, I, I heard about these two men that were talking to one another, and they were talking about spiritual things. And um, one of them said to the other, he said, you know, man, I, I, really, I really don't think you know much at all about, about the Bible. You know, I, I don't think you know anything about prayer. They were having a discussion. He said, in fact, I bet you you cannot recite the Lord's Prayer. He said, I'll tell you what, I, I bet you $10 you cannot recite the Lord's Prayer. The guy said, the guy said his friend said, oh, come on, man, I can recite the Lord's Prayer. I'll take that bet. So the guy said, okay, let's hear it. The guy said, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And his friend just laughed. He said, ha, reached into his pocket, pulled out the $10, said, I didn't think you knew it. <laughs> if you like that joke, I made it up. If you don't, I got it from Tony Evans. Um, the thing about that little story, that little joke, what's, what's, what's funny about it, though, is that a lot of us have a, uh, um, we have a woefully inadequate understanding of prayer, right? All, all of us, you know, we might know the Lord's Prayer, but, but we struggle as followers of Jesus to really develop a habit of prayer. We struggle. In fact, a lot of times we're intimidated by prayer. A lot of times we are afraid to really get into prayer because we don't, we don't feel like we understand it. So what I want to teach us today is I want to teach us as a church family, as a church community, to develop a habit of prayer. And the reason I want us to develop a habit of prayer is that it turns out that when you develop a habit, that habit is not just about what you do, it becomes about who you are. So, so a person who habitually prays becomes a person of prayer, right? A, a person who habitually eats well and exercises becomes a healthy person. A person who is friendly in a repeated habitual way ultimately becomes a friendly person, right? A person who loves and is faithful to their spouse over and over eventually becomes a faithful and loving spouse, right? You sort of be, the, the, the premise of our series is the habits that you build eventually build you. The habits that you have developed, the patterns that you have developed in your life eventually become who you are. And if we want to become men and women of God who are strong in our faith and deep in our understanding and are making wise, good decisions with our life and are effective in our lives and, and fulfilling the purpose that God has for us, we've got to develop a habit of, of prayer, a habit of prayer. Last week, we looked for a few moments at uh, the life of Daniel, and we saw that um, Daniel prayed three times a day. He had a habit. That was his habit. It just became a pattern for him. Um, today, I want to take you for just a few moments into the prayer habit of Jesus. It's fascinating because Jesus, who you would think needs to pray the least, like this is the most spiritual guy you know, prays all the time throughout the scripture. In fact, let me read you a few, a few scriptures about it. It says this in Luke 5, 16. It says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Matthew 14 says, after he had sent the crowds away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. 
Mark 1.35 says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. Mark 6.46 says, after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Luke 6.12 says, Jesus went to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the whole night praying to God. Mark 14.39 says, again, he went away and he prayed. There are literally, I just gave you a, a little sampling. There are dozens of scriptures that refer to Jesus going and spending time in prayer. It turns out that it was just who he was. He was a person of prayer. He had developed a habit of prayer. I, I want to just on a personal level tell you what prayer has meant to me in my life. And, I, and I'll share more of this in the coming sermons. But I'll give you one example where prayer has been transformational for my life. And, and now it's transformational in every aspect of my life. But, but when uh, my wife and I were first dating, we, we were dating and like within the first three weeks of dating, I think we were engaged. So I don't remember if we were dating or engaged or both, but it was early on. And um, about three months, not three weeks. Okay. Let's keep, let's keep the facts straight. You know one thing I always say, never let the facts get in the way of a good story. You know what I mean? So, um, so we were early on in our, in our love life. And I had not been a Christian for very long. And I had never actually really dated or been with, in, in a relationship where I was a Christian. Because before that, I was in relationships where I was not a Christian. Um, and so I, I, I really wasn't sure how to... How to operate as a Christian who was in a, a romantic relationship. And so early on in our relationship, we struggled. Rebecca and I, we struggled. We didn't understand each other. We really adored each other. We loved one another. We, we really enjoyed each other, but we, we, couldn't, we couldn't understand one another. We didn't know how to have conflict. We didn't know how, we just didn't know how to interact. And so we, we kept kind of running into these roadblocks and these obstacles in our relationship. And it was a little bit terrifying because I thought, man, this is the woman that I want to marry, but we're, we're just like button heads all the time. And one day I thought to myself, maybe we should pray because I'm a Christian now. So I, I can do that. Right. But I was, I was actually, and this is just true. I was nervous to bring it up to her because I was nervous that I would sound like either like I was trying to be hyper spiritual or that I was trying to, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what I thought, but I just was like, I can't ask her to pray. It's too embarrassing. Like it's embarrassing to say, can we pray? But we got to a point where I felt like, okay, we got to do it. So I came to her one day and I said, Rebecca, like, would you mind if we prayed together? And to my surprise, she said, no, that'd be great. Actually, I'd really appreciate that. And this was 15 years ago. Rebecca and I took each other by the hand and we began to pray. And we said, God, we want to invite you into this relationship. We want to invite you into everything that we're doing, everything that we're saying. We want to invite you to be a part of what is happening in this relationship because I don't know how to do it on my own. She doesn't know how to do it on her own. We don't know how to make this thing work. We invited God into our relationship on that day. And I'm just telling you, and Rebecca will back me up on this, it, it was transformational in our relationship. And even to this day, whenever we've experienced bumps in the road, 15 years later, bumps in the road, four kids, stress, just the normal flow, ebb and flow of life, we will, just, one of us will just go, you know what, let's just pause, let's just take a moment, and let's just pray. And I'm going to tell you that prayer has fundamentally transformed our relationship. And what I learned in that moment, and, it, and I've grown in it over the years, 
is that, you know what God wants? He wants to be in every aspect of my relationships. He wants to be in every aspect of my life. He wants to be in my, my decisions about my career. He wants to be in my decisions about my education. He wants to be in my school. He wants to be in my finances. He wants to be in my relationship. He wants, he wants every part of my life. And so when we develop a habit of prayer, what we're actually doing is we're developing an invitation for God to participate in every corner of our life. And so I want, I really want for you and me as a church community, as a family to develop a habit, a habit of prayer. So, so what I want to talk about for just the next few moments is the purpose, the power and the practice of prayer, the purpose, the power and the practice. Let's start with the purpose. The primary purpose of prayer is relational, not transactional. It's relational, not transactional. Um, I, I, I really want you to understand this. A lot of times we just go to God in prayer for what we need. But like that song said that we just listened to, he's what we need, right? Jaira, you are what we need, right? So, so the, the, the purpose of prayer is relational. It's not just transactional. When, when I take my kids out on a one-on-one -on -one time, we have one-on-one -on -one times lined up, you know, right, right in a row. Uh, and I take my kids out on one-on-one -on -one time. When they were younger, our one-on-one -on -one time was more transactional. In fact, with my younger kids, it, it sometimes still is. So I, I, when I take my five-year-old daughter, Eden, out on one-on-one -on -one time, I always say, hey, what do you want to do on one-on-one -on -one time? And I want her to say, like, let's just go to a coffee shop and talk, Dad. Let's just get real. Let's just kind of get real kind of, you know, in a relationship. Like, let's, that's what I want her to say, right? But she's five. So you know what she says? Let's go to Target. Literally, that's her favorite one. The other place she likes, and this is what she calls it. She says, Dad, let's go to One Family Dollar. <laughs> one Family Dollar. I think our church branding has seeped into like One Family Dollar. I like that. So because right now, my relationship with her is, in her mind, is more like you're providing for me what I want. That's the nature of the relationship. It's one way. Like, yeah, I'll go spend time with you because I want something from you, right? But as the kids grow and as we mature and as my older children have gotten, you know, older on these one-on-one -on -one times, now it becomes relational. So my oldest son, Jameson, 13, will say, you know what? Let's go over to the Cheshire, have some hot chocolate, sit down and talk by the fire. I'm like, okay. Like, that's, that's what we want, right? As followers of Jesus, when we start off, we start off going, God, I want, I want, I want, I want. This is our prayer life. Gimme, 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 gimme. You know, did, did any of you know the song, Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want? Anybody ever heard that? So I grew up singing that song and I'm, I'm not gonna hate on that song, okay? Cause I'll get thrown out of this church so fast if I, but, but the lyrics go, Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. You know, call him up, call him up, tell him what you want, right? And, and that's a good song, right? But that's, a, that's an entry point to God because God is not a vending machine where we go, okay, here, let me just punch the numbers and get what I want from you, right? That's not what God is. God is your father who wants a relationship with you. And when you begin to enter into prayer, if it's primarily relational, not transactional, you're gonna experience a whole different experience with prayer. Because if you're just praying, God, I want this, and you don't get that, then you're going to stop praying because you're gonna go, it ain't working. It's not effective. I punched the buttons and the snicker bar didn't fall out. So where, right? And so God's saying, look, I, I want to have a, 
I want to have a real relationship with you. So let me just show you the word that is used, I think, over 120 times in the Bible, the word for prayer. It's a Greek word, and it's prosuke. Prosuke, if you're taking notes, you write that down. That's Greek. You can impress your friends at the office with that. Pro, it's, it's really two words. Pros, which means face-to-face or exchange or toward, and UK, which means a wish or a desire. That's the two, two words that form the word prosuke. So what does that tell us about prayer? It tells us this. Prayer is an intimate, face-to-face, mutual exchange of wishes. This is what prayer is. This is not, prayer is not a monologue. Prayer is a dialogue. Prayer is not, God, I want this, 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 and this. Take care of this, 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 and this, and I'm out. I mean, imagine any other relationship where that was the nature of the relationship. How, how fulfilling would that relationship be, right? You come home, all right, babe, this is what I want. This, 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 and this, and I'll be in my office. I'll have it, yeah, right? That relationship would not go well. I'm just, I'm just telling you right now. God is not there for you to just list off all the stuff that you want. God is there to go, come here, I want a relationship. I want an intimate, face-to-face, mutual exchange of wishes. You know what mutual means, right? Mutual means you express all your wishes and desires, and then you sit silently, and then you let God express his wishes and desires. That's, that's relationship. Relationship is when you listen as much as you speak. You know this because some of you have friends that are monologuers. Anybody got a monologuer friend? I got some friends that are monologuers and I limit my time with them, right? Because I don't have time to hear somebody monologue that long. I want to, I want to, I want to have an exchange. I had a meeting not long ago, not with a person in the church, a totally different ministry leader from thousands of miles away, hundreds of years ago. Um, and, um, and, uh, this guy, this person was a monologuer and I had a, I had a, an hour scheduled and I thought that was a long time. I was like, I was like, I really wanted a 30-minute meeting. But an hour into it, I'm like looking at my thing and I'm trying, my watch, and I'm trying to not be obvious, but it was just, it was just a monologue. I, if somebody measured our words, I think there were like 47,000 on his side and mine were like, mm-hmm, ah, really, right? And this is coming, like, I'm monologuing right now, actually. So, right, so this is somebody who likes to monologue, right? But, 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 but it's gotta be a dialogue right? Eventually I was like, Hey man, I literally like right in the middle of a sentence. I was like, Hey man, I'm sorry, but I have to go. I couldn't, I couldn't even think of a good reason. I was just like, I got to go. I've got to go, go. I just got to go. Got to go. See ya. Jesus said this, my sheep listen to my voice. This is John 10, 27, right? The sheep don't just bleat to the shepherd. The sheep shut their mouths sometimes and let the shepherd speak to them. This is the biggest insight I ever learned about prayer. This is, this is my number one thing. My number one thing is that I learned that prayer was an intimate face-to-face dialogue, a mutual exchange of wishes with God. It's not me going, right? So a lot of times I will literally come to God and I'll go, God, I don't know what to do about this situation. What should I do about this situation? And that's it. And then I'm quiet. 
And I might not hear the answer right then, but at some point, my heart is going to be directed in a certain way. My shepherd is going to guide me in a certain path. I'm going to hear his voice. I'm going to go, this is the path that God wants me to go down. It's not that God says, okay, here's what you do, Brent. First, right? He doesn't necessarily speak that way, but he will guide your life. He will guide your path. He'll, he'll do it. So the question is for you, how do I know if it's God? I'm going to give you three. This is not on your screen, but you can write these down. Three ways that you can know that whether it's God. Number one, it always lines up with scripture and never contradicts it. God is never going to tell you to do something that he tells you not to do in the word. And I've, I've, I've had this happen. I've heard this happen. People come to me and say, you know what? The Lord told me to do X, Y, or Z. And I'll go, no, he didn't. <laughs> because he already said not to do that right here, right here in the Bible, right? So he'll never say something. He'll never tell you to do something that contradicts what he told you uh, uh, not to do or to do. Number two, when God speaks, it always honors God and it always honors other people. So if it's dishonoring to God or if it's dishonoring to somebody else, that's not God's voice. That's either your voice or the devil's voice or your flesh's voice. That's not God's voice. If it dishonors God or dishonors somebody else. And number three is it always draws you closer to God because God is primarily desirous of a relationship with you. So every time he speaks to you, it's to, it's to draw you closer into a relationship with him. Okay, so that's the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is relational, not transactional, right? What's the power of prayer? What makes prayer effective? The power of prayer is in the Father, not the formula. I hope y'all are taking notes because this is good stuff right here. The power of prayer is in the Father. It's not in the formula. It's not in the formula. It's in the who, it's not in the how. Are you with me this morning? It's who you're praying to, not how you're praying that matters, right? Because it's in the Father, it's not in the formula. Um, a lot of times, uh, professional athletes will have superstitions, right? You know, they kind of develop like a little superstition, right? For instance, how many of you know what color shirt Tiger Woods wears every Sunday when he plays golf? Boom, you're right. Every Sunday when he plays golf, he wears a red shirt. Why does he wear a red shirt? Well, he was interviewed about that. And he said, well, I wore a red shirt one time when I was younger at an event, uh, you know, golf, and I did really well. And he said, you know, I just kind of developed a superstition. So now I just wear a red shirt every time, right? And it's fine. You know, it's nothing wrong with wearing a red shirt every Sunday, right? But the truth is, right, it's, it's, it's in his ability. It's not in the color of his shirt, right? Uh, some of you may remember a tennis player named Bjorn Borg. Bjorn Borg wore, every time he played Wimbledon, he grew a beard and he wore a fila shirt. The same, he wore that shirt every Wimbledon five years in a row. And he grew a beard. Not a very impressive beard, but still. <laughs> but he had a superstition about it, right? He said, I got a formula that works and he actually won five years in a row, right? Uh, the next one, and, and you may, may or may not know this, and this is reportedly, reputedly. Michael Jordan reputedly wore his UNC practice shorts under his Chicago Bulls shorts every game. It was just a, it was just a, like a little superstition that he had developed, right? And, and these superstitions are fine because, you know, they're, they're harmless and they're all about sports, right? But a lot of times we do this with prayer. We think it's about the formula. We think, okay, I did it this way this time, or I heard somebody do it this way, or I saw somebody, and now if I don't know the formula, I can't do it right, and I'm afraid to do it, and I, I'm just worried about doing it. And God's saying, no, no, I don't like formulas when it comes to prayer. 
He says, you know what? He, Jesus actually said, I detest formulas, right? Here's what Jesus says about formulas when it comes to prayer. He says, when you pray, when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father, your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. They think they have a formula that will get them heard. Do not be like them, he said, for your father knows what you need even before you ask him. He's saying, look, it's about the father. It's not about the formula. Again, as a, as a father, I know what my children need before they do. In fact, I know what they need when they think they need the opposite, right? So when they come and tell me what they need, there's no formula in the world that's gonna have any impact on me whatsoever, right? Because I have a relationship with them and I know what they need and, it, and all of the little twists and turns that they can come at me with, that doesn't matter to me. I know what they need. I'm gonna give them. A good father knows what his children needs and wants his children to have them. And God is saying to you, I, three times in that scripture, in that passage, Jesus said, go to your father, go to your father, go to your father, right? It's not about the formula. It's not about the how, it's about the who, right? Jesus says, if you'll do this, I will, I will reward you openly. I will give you what you need. The scripture over and over reiterates this dynamic. Come to the father. Here, I'm gonna give you three tips for praying to the father. You ready? This is gonna help you pray habitually. Number one, pray secretly. Number two, pray sincerely. And number three, pray simply. It's not for the many words. It's the simplicity of the prayer. Your father already knows what you need. If, if you do it secretly, sincerely, and simply, that changes your whole relationship to prayer. Because I can do that anytime. I can do that anywhere. In fact, and this is the, 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 the last part, the practice. How do we actually get into this habit? How do we develop the habit? Here it is. The practice of prayer is perpetual, not periodic. It's perpetual, not periodic. What God wants is for you to be praying all the time. And if prayer is a formula, you can't do it all the time because you don't have time for it. You can't remember it. You have to write it down, right? But if prayer is like you approaching your father, well, you know, you can approach your father on the way to the kitchen. Oh, hey, dad, how are you, right? I can talk, I, you, uh, my children can talk to me anytime, anytime. And they can tell me what they want, anytime. We can have a relationship anytime, right? And so God's saying, look, I want you to be in a perpetual conversation with me. That's what I want. You want me to give you an example of how, how we can do this or, or just demonstrate to you that we can? Do you know how many times we look at our cell phones in a day? Or even how many times we touch them? Sometimes we just, do you ever just touch it just to make sure it's there? Oh, there it is, right? I've read so many different articles on this, but I think the smallest number that I came across was 96 times a day. But I do that before breakfast. So... I mean, but some, some researchers will say that it's hundreds and hundreds of times a day. We've developed a habit with respect to our, with our cell phones, right? It's a habit. And now you do not have to remind yourself, be sure to touch your cell phone in 5.3 minutes, right? You won't have to, right? Let me read you some stats on, on cell phone usage. Ready? See if this applies to you. 
80% of Americans say they check their phones within the first 10 minutes of waking up. Nobody's volunteering for that one. 83% of Americans feel uneasy leaving their phone at home. Some people just have straight up panic attacks. Where's my phone? 40% use or look at their phone while driving. 48% of themselves consider themselves addicted to their phone. That's funny. Like half of the people that are addicted to their phone think they're addicted to their phone. 52% say that they have never gone longer than 24 hours without their phone. 54% of people say they panic when their cell phone battery goes down below 20%. You know when the bar turns yellow and you start to hyperventilate? That's a problem. 47% uh, use or look at their phone on a date. We'll have a relationship discussion about that. But if you're swiping left while you're on a date with somebody you swipe right with, problematic. 67% have texted someone in the same room as them before. Hold on. Ron, t Ron just texted me. Ron Darrell. I'll, I'll get back to you after church. Um, Seventy <laughs> percent of people use their phone on the toilet. You're gonna keep on moving past that stat. Sixty-two percent sleep with their phone at night. It's like a little stuffy. Yeah. Forty-three percent say that their phone is their most valuable possession right? You lose your phone, you lose your life. Here's what I'm going to, here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Treat prayer like you treat your phone. <laughs> Just treat prayer like you treat your phone. That means when you wake up before you, before you get up out of bed, say, thank you, Lord. I love you. Thank you for waking me up this morning. Praise God. Right? When you walk into the bathroom, Lord, I'm just going <laughs> to sit here and worship you this morning. Right? When you're brushing your teeth, God, thank you for my teeth. Really appreciate them. I need all of them. Can I keep them for a while? Right? You get down to breakfast, maybe a little word of prayer down there. Right? When you get in the car to drive, it's just, it's your father. You can just talk to him. You, you don't have to have a formula. You can just have a conversation with him. And I'm going to just tell you, whatever you're thinking about, pray about it. Here's a way to develop a, a prayer habit. Whatever you're thinking about, pray about it instead. If you're trying to think through a problem, pray through the problem. If you're trying to work out a situation at work, pray through the situation at work. If you're trying to work out something with your child or, or with your parent or, or with your professor or with your friend, pray about it. In fact, invite them into the prayer. Like just make it part of your everyday life. Just thousands of times a day, pray. Here's what the scripture says. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Right? What he's saying is that, that phrase, be anxious for nothing and pray, those two phrases go together. Because when we think about stuff, we get anxious. When we think about problems, we get anxious. We, when we think about things, it makes us nervous. We get worried. That's why he says, don't be anxious, pray. When you're anxious, pray. When you're happy, pray. When you're sad, pray. When you're mad, pray. Pray all the time. 
That's 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 18. Rejoice always, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. In all circumstances, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Uh, Jesus. Colossians 4, 2 says, continue steadfastly, steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. In other words, God is saying, I just want you to pray all the time. This is how you develop a habit. You make it easy. You make it accessible. You make it obvious, right? You just, it's just something that, it's just something that's just right there. You don't have to say, all right, I'm going to pray after I have gotten everything situated and I'm going to go and I'm going to have an altar. No, just pray right where you're at all the time. Just pray, pray, pray. We have an entire team of people, a part of our dream team that is dedicated to helping you pray. Our prayer team. Prayer team, would you mind to stand for me just for a moment? Just at both campuses, we have prayer team members at Shaw. We have prayer team members here. Come on, let's hear it for our prayer team. Now, these folks right here, please keep standing. These folks right here are here to pray for you. And in fact, they are praying for you throughout the week. They are available to pray with you anytime. Uh, any, you, you could just approach them anytime and say, hey, would you pray for me right now? They will pray for you. Just trust me. Even if you don't ask them, they might pray for you, right? Now, they, they, they're here to pray for you. That's what they do. These are the folks that populate the prayer room. And when I say, hey, you know what? Go into the prayer room, either down at Shaw or here in the Tivoli. Go pray with somebody. This is who I'm talking about, right? And they are there to pray for you. And they're there to, to develop and cultivate a prayer culture in our church, right? Because God wants us to pray. God wants us in relationship. If we're really going to draw people and God together in love, it has to begin with prayer. Amen. It's a prayer habit. Can we hear it for the prayer team one more time? Thank you, guys. You can be seated. They're doing the, they're doing the behind-the-scenes work. Everything that you see in the, in the physical, everything you see in the, in the physical realm is being prayed for on the spiritual level. That's where it all begins. And they're here to do that for you. So the purpose of prayer is relational, right? That's what the purpose of prayer is. The power of prayer is in the person, right? It's in the father to whom you're praying. And the practice of prayer is perpetual. Let's just do this all the time. Now, here's what I want to say to you. And I'm going to end with this. What I want to tell you is this. A lot of times, this is an intimidating kind of sermon, right? Because you go, man, I just don't know. I just don't know how to pray. I don't really know how to pray. And I, you know, this is good teaching, but how do I actually get into it, right? And sometimes we will feel condemned because we do not pray enough, right? When I first started as a pastor, my prayer life has grown as a pastor. When I first began as a pastor and I took like the spiritual gifts inventory, prayer was one of the lowest, one of my lowest gifts, because I was a doer, right? Just let, let's just do it. Let's keep doing stuff, right? But over time, what I've learned is praying is also doing. Actually, it's the most powerful form of doing, right? Because you're, pray, you're spending time with the creator. So a lot of circumstances that you would go and try to take care of yourself, you can step back and go, God, will you take care of that for me? And by the time I come to that circumstance or situation, it's already squared away right? So, so growing in your gift is, is huge. But if you're feeling condemned or if you feel like ashamed because you don't pray enough, let me tell you a little secret that a lot of people do not know. And this does not get talked about a lot in churches, but it is so powerful. Did you know that Jesus, who we looked at at the beginning of the, of the sermon, Jesus, who had a perpetual habit of praying, his habit never ended. Did you know that he's still praying? 
Did you know that Jesus, the Son of God, is still praying? Let me show you this. People don't know this. Romans 8, 34. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, wait, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for you. Jesus, the Son of God, is at the right hand of the Father, interceding and is praying. Interceding means I'm praying for somebody else. I'm interceding on their behalf, right? I'm an advocate. I'm a lawyer. I'm the, the, the picture here is Jesus, and the fa- Jesus speaking to the Father face-to-face in a mutual exchange of wishes, saying, you know what, man? This brother right down here, I love him. And you know what? I, j- I just want you to know how great he is to me and how much I adore him, right? And this young woman over here, I just, I just want you to know, Father, this person means everything to me. I died for this, this daughter of God right now, right? This is God saying, I'm interceding forever on your behalf. Hebrews 7, 24, 25, last verse. Jesus lives forever. He has a permanent priesthood, right? Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Why? Because he always lives, not lived, lives to intercede for them. Jesus is, this is encouraging to somebody because you're like, man, I don't pray that much. I'm not that good of a prayer. Okay, well, that's okay for the moment because Jesus is praying for you. He's praying for you right now. That should encourage somebody. So what I pray, and you can come help me close, David. What I pray for each and every single one of us is that we would develop a deep and powerful habit of prayer, not just individually, but collectively. If this church really becomes a praying church, and I'm talking about deep, I'm talking about praying, praying. I'm not talking about crazy stuff. I'm just talking about praying. I'm just talking about intimate, intimate, mutual exchange face to face with God, right? If we become that, if we become that, there's nothing on the planet that can slow a church like that down. Nothing on the planet. Because we're, we're going to be wise because we're making wise decisions because we're asking the, the father of wisdom, right? We're going to be thoughtful. We're going to be caring. We're going to be loving because the person that we're communicating with is love, right? We're going to be faithful because he's faithful. Everything, all the things that we desire to do and be, prayer gets us there. Prayer leads us there, right? And the last scripture I'm going to say, and this is not in your notes. Some of you know it. Many of you will know it. God promises this. This is the promise of prayer, okay? The promise of prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and will seek my face. In other words, don't just come to me with, I need this, I need this, I need this. No, pray means I'm going to seek your face. Face to face, intimate, mutual exchange of wishes. Seek my face means try to understand what I'm telling you also. Don't just tell me what you want, but I want you to hear what I want. Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. If we really want to be a fundamentally transformational church on the planet, it's about prayer. It's about sitting down by yourself or with another brother or sister or get in a life group that does praying. I know Alejandro leads a men's prayer life group. There are a bunch of prayer life groups coming up. Listen, get some time with God. Build that relationship with God. 
because that is when he heals our heart heals our mind heals our lives heals our body and heals our land let's pray together heavenly father we come before you so grateful so grateful god for who you are we long god to have a real true powerful meaningful deep loving relationship with you we long for our lives to be transformed for our relationships to be transformed for for our jobs and our work and our career and our mindset and our habits and our attitude to be transformed by you and god we know that that transformation takes place in prayer and so god we come before you right now with gratitude in our hearts thankful that you are praying for us thankful that jesus is interceding on our behalf right now and god out of gratitude we come to you with prayer and if we don't know what to pray we can say thank you we can say forgive me lord for my sins we can say guide me lord give me wisdom give me strength give me courage give me power to do what you've called me to do help me to step into the right path lord god let me follow you all the days of my life god i just pray that each and every one of us would begin to develop that habitual pattern that habitual behavior of prayer so that we might become people of prayer so that you would heal us heal our hearts heal our lives and heal our land we thank you for this we praise you in jesus name we pray everybody say amen amen i want to encourage you to truly truly begin to form that habit of prayer this week and i mean it when i say it's as simple as saying the words brushing your teeth and praying drinking your coffee and praying. I mean it. It's just that simple. Begin doing that habit and you'll see your life transform. It will build and build and build. I'm going to invite you to worship with us in a few different ways. One of the ways uh, that we worship here is through prayer. And so if you need prayer, our prayer team will be available in the side auditorium. Uh, and, and they're just there to pray for you. Just let them know whatever you want them to pray for and they're, they're there to pray for you. They're going to pray for you. That's what they do. Uh, another way that we worship here at One Family Church is through our generosity, through our giving. If you're a visitor or a guest, please don't feel any obligation to worship in that way. Uh, but if, if this is your church home, uh, we invite you to give. That's another one of our habits. We have a habit of generosity. Um, I can't wait to report in just a few, maybe, I think it's not next week, but the following week, um, some really important, valuable financial news about what your giving has done in the, in the church and in the community. In fact, one of our community partners is here today. South City Community Church is right out here uh, in the, in the uh, sorry, South City Community School is right out here in the lobby. And, um, and it's just one of our partners. Many of you know we have dozens of partners that we support. Let me, let me just tell you something real quick because you're just going to think this is amazing. I think I can say this already. But by the, by the time we write the last check, because our fiscal year ends at the end of January. We will have given away, our church will have given away over $170,000 this year. We have given it away to other nonprofit agencies, organizations, church planting. Like, it's amazing. Homeless shelters. I mean, the people on our website, you can go and see who we, who we invest in. I just think that's phenomenal. And that's because you guys are generous. I wasn't going to preach on generosity just now, but my Lord. Um... And then finally, if, if you would take a moment, if you, especially if you're a guest or a visitor, take a moment, fill out this connection card. Uh, let us know how we can serve you. We do want to send you that, 
that free uh, gift of the Right Now Media subscription. Um, if you're a member of our church and you don't have that subscription, fill one of these out and we'll make sure that you get uh, a subscription to that. It's a, it's a really valuable um, resource and it's got tons of great uh, video-based Bible studies. So um, take that. And the last thing I want you to know is I think next week, because I'm always telling you to take notes, you know what I mean? In sermons, I'm always like, you know, take, write this down. So we're going to start handing these out for all of you. Anybody who wants them, you note takers. All right. All the nerds in the house are clapping, right? All right. Woo. Um, me too. Me too. Um, yeah, we're going to give these out to everybody. And then you, you know, and, and then they've got like little notes and stuff like this. So you can have these and keep your little notes together. Um, <laughs> so that's going to be fun. All right. Would you stand with me now and let's just worship God in singing one last time before we head out of here. And I know on your way out, you're going to be praying. Amen.